I get angry just thinking about it, it makes me mad. Little kids doing drugs, it turns my stomach. That stuff hurts. It stops you from living up to your potential. It holds you back. It hurts the user. It hurts his family. And it hurts his friends. I just want to shake some sense into you kids that are using drugs and think about using it. So remember, don't or else. Okay? <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 162 for the week of July 10th, 2017. I am special needs asshole David T. Cole, and I'm here with twitchy operative Sarah D. Bunting. Explain this earring. Porn mom, Tara Ariano. Look at me in my bikini. And ice cream truck of narcotic foreshadowing, Nick Reinwell-Jones. I used to be a popsicle addict. Now I'm a methadone addict. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back, everybody, to Extra Hot Great 162. We are joined once again by our esteemed colleague, Nick Reinwald Jones. Hello, Nick. Hello. Wonderful to be here again. Yay! Nick is joining us to discuss FX's prestige birth of crack. Dramatic event series. Not sure how else to describe it. It airs uh, Wednesday nights on FX. As you are listening to this, it will be airing the se- its second episode tonight. But we were off last week, so we're only getting around to discussing it now. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about it because yeah. it's good, but it's not great. And, well, I can sort of tie this into a... Um, article written recently by Alan Sepinwall about this exact problem, but did anyone else, was anyone else like really struck by it in either direction or is it just kind of a like B, B plus for anyone else? Nick, you start, you're our guest. Okay. Well, I, I, I was a, um, I only got through about 1.75 episodes, so I don't have uh, that much basis to judge, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It is, it is like less, oh, you know, it it feels less prestige than I kind of expected it to. It sort of is, it feels very genre-y, like just a straight ahead, like, you know, all of the trappings that you would expect in like a movie about drugs from the 80s. I mean, <laughs> a, like a period movie about drugs set in the 80s. Like it didn't, It like it's weird that like this show and for example, the Americans are on the same channel because like there's, there's so little subtlety on this show and um, it does like, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have that kind of, at least so far, have that kind of nuanced character. And, and like, I don't see a lot of like the interesting, like minute details about this world that I would have expected to see, you know, again, based on like what we saw in, in the Americans, like it, it, it just feels very kind of pulpy in yeah, a way, I guess. Totally agree. Yeah. I think that, uh, this show is lacking that, you know, you just want to eat one more feel that say a show like narcos had where i like i started watching narcos and then it's like well let's just watch one more you know it was one of those shows and you know it had all those details that are lacking here you know all those little you know process you know bits all the little character traits of all the you know and and this show the characters are pretty cookie cutter um Mm -hmm. yeah you know there's not a lot of as you say not a lot of nuance to them maybe yet but also (laughs) You know, there's lots of TV on, so you know if you don't grab somebody, 
you know, in the first episode, you're really hurting yourself. And certainly, you know, if you're you got two episodes done and it's sort of still in a situation where you feel like you it's not setting you up for the next episode, you don't really want to watch it. There's going to be trouble, especially now. Like this to me is like, you know, it's it's got a lot in common with the setting or not setting, but the the subject matter of narcos, but is definitely not in the same in the same league. And like to put this on paper that this is a story of the beginning of crack is sort of selling itself short because, you know, if you're not really aware, you know, there's like this whole CIA subplot about, you know, how they were funding this and that and all that. And, you know, there's a Venn diagram between CIA and crack. And (laughs) the story is right in the middle there, but they don't really pump that part of it in the marketing. Like the marketing seemed to be very much, um, you know, uh, self central story, but it's bigger than that. But it's also not as interesting as that subject matter would uh, lend itself to be. And Narcos kind of deals with some of the same stuff, and it is a much more compelling take on it. It's a broader, like it's a bigger story as well, and it's a Netflix show versus you know an FX show, so you know they had a lot more money, I'm sure. But like for a show that is about crack, it really lacked that addicting quality you know that that (laughs) it should have had right you know what i mean like like, yeah they gave us 10 episodes and at the end of the first one that aired dave and i were like do you want to watch another one nope me neither (laughs) like we (laughs) it wasn't bad no it was it wasn't bad but it's, it's exactly like i know sarah's about to get to this with regard to alan's piece but it's like you know it not bad is not good enough when there's exactly. 50,000 shows that you're and supposed to be watching. And a show right that now. deals with the same stuff. Like there's right. there's Narcos, right? Yeah, Narcos is so much better. And there's also like documentaries. There's something in yeah. the water, obviously. <laughs> something in the water. It's crack. Yeah. Uh, but there's like an A&E documentary on exactly the same subject matter right now called America on Drugs or something like that. It's all about the CIA dealing with, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, there's other avenues for this. And it just, this just didn't have that hook yeah one more thing that i'll I'll just mention just because it was snowfall's bad fortune that i happened to watch it like last week is the movie dope which is set in the current day but it's about 80s or 90s obsessed kids and it's also a south central story about trying to unload a bunch of drugs so it's but much tighter told a lot more humor honestly the two things that i remember about the snowfall premiere and everything else about it fell out of my head three things one the cia guy looks so British for a guy from Texas that I was shocked to find out he's not British to a guy getting cocaine blown into his ass in the cold open, which, okay, showy, uh, especially for basic cable. And like Feud, this one had a couple of fucks in it too, which is always exciting. And third, the, um, (laughs) the, the aunt of the main guy waiting like taking off her earrings while she can see the general hospital is about to go to commercial and then getting ready to go yeah. out and beat a woman's ass in the street before it comes back that was my favorite part of the episode everything else about it totally generic and forgettable i thought yeah you're so right they, they shot their whole wad with creativity in that one little span right there yeah yeah and just like reminding you without exactly reminding you like there were not dvrs and mm-hmm. so on I'm a little disappointed that in a John Singleton project, the atmospherics and the sort of setting are not stronger because he has this like um, Spike Lee-ish ability on the opposite coast to give you that like sort of sweaty summertime tempers are simmering feel of 
a neighborhood. But then the music cues are not all correct. Like, I like 70s soul, but if this is 1983, like, get your coordination tighter. The styling could be any time. Except for the occasional Jerry Curl on the... Mm. Uh, on characters like it you know they're not they're not doing great with that stuff and then it's like alan says in this piece which is sort of a you know broader discussion of like all the shows that back in the day by which i mean seriously maybe three to five years ago we'd be like you know give it like five episodes give it half a season buffy parks and rec like name any show in any genre and there were a lot of shows that took a while to find their footing don't have that luxury anymore and last week when i was on vacation and knowing that we were going to prep the show seeing the reviews that were yeah coming out that were kind of like it's fine i'm done yeah from reviewer after reviewer that were like you know good try we'll call you and yeah. it's like, it's, it's tough out there, but this just isn't like, I did watch two full episodes and I was like, and then I read somewhere that like, I read when actual crack shows up in the series and was like, I, I ain't got that kind of time. <laughs> I barely had I know. Time yeah. It's this. like, yeah. yeah. Put it in the pile. Where pilot, is yeah. the crack? Yeah. Are they going to get the to lack the fire of crack, crack factory? Is whack. <laughs> crack is whack. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about John crack, Singleton, but... though, is that like Boys in the Hood is a great movie, and then there are a lot of other movies he did that are not so great. Like hi- this, this is True. way more to the higher learning end of the spectrum in terms of <laughs> subtlety or lack yeah. thereof, which is like you know he's he's a he's he's unpredictable. He's a mixed bag when it comes to uh, to scene setting. So yeah, this this having remembered seeing Higher Learning in the theater, like yeah, no, <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily super optimistic about this. Well, yeah, the interesting thing about John Singleton, like, especially when you compare him to Spike Lee is like John Singleton from the very beginning was always like, he was like, I'm going to make movies about like the underseen black experience, but they're going to be very flashy and commercial versus Spike Lee was always about like that more weird indie sensibility. And I think if John Singleton doesn't have something that he can really like pull on, that's like super specific, you just end up with something that kind of looks generically commercial, which this does. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Now I kind of want um, Spike Lee to be given a run at this. Yeah. Same topic, because that'll be super watchable, I think. As I mean, a, not as that a, he hasn't made dogs, too. but no, but uh, It also a, might just be like a shot of a ceiling for eight episodes, and he'll be like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fuck you. <laughs> but it, I mean, as a scripted show or as, or as a documentary, because um, his, his New Orleans uh, oh, yeah. four-parter for HBO was incredible. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go, FX. Do this next time. <laughs> All right. Well, exactly. Uh, I'm sure Spike Lee has nothing else to do. So, <laughs> hey, Mr. Lee, get on that. Thanks. All right. Well, I, you know, this, we're only 12 minutes in, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. Yeah. I don't think we yeah, need to talk I'm, about Snowfall anymore. I think that. we're all on the same page. It's okay, but okay is not really cutting it these days. And uh, if it's expecting you to sit around for a whole season to get to the fireworks factory, then yeah. you know. Uh, maybe uh, you know, do better next time. Yeah, Narcos and Dope are both on Netflix. Third season of Narcos <laughs> coming at some point. So yeah, just uh, watch that and watch that instead. It's not about crack, but it's better. Speaking about crack, dear Mr. President, <laughs> there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. 
Basic Cable needs to start leaving all the swears in every movie. I'm not a crackpot. I watched Shawshank Redemption again the other night because have we met? Uh, also, it's the gold standard of Poppy Fields movies. If you're not familiar with this term, it's the kind of movie that you can't not keep watching on basic cable once it's on, even though you've seen it dozens of times and it's all cut up with commercials and they say things like, forget you, Melon Farmer. Uh, you only turn the shit on to basically keep you company while you clean the house or whatever, but you have, like in The Wizard of Oz, Poppy Fields become becalmed by this movie. Anyway, Shawshank. It was on Sundance, which is sort of a premium basic cable, basic cable network, and should have the right to leave the swears in of all networks, in my opinion. And while in the station's defense, at least they just dropped the sound out of most of the swears instead of going the what about you, forget you, dad route. It's not like I don't know the warden says Andy will think he got fucked by a train because it's a great <laughs> flavorful expression because I have in fact seen the movie so many times that I could like make actors out of popsicle sticks and act out all the parts. More to the point and more to our previous point, it's 2017. Anyone can call that shit up online. It's a streaming world. We have choices. If you want people to sit through a movie with all the ads in it, in exchange, you need to offer a full swears experience that doesn't ruin <laughs> the movie for people who consider the films almost family at this point. It's not going to stave off extinction for y'all, but with this many other consumption choices, you can't afford to take the word fuckstick away from Byron Hadley. <laughs> get busy swearing or get busy dying. That's God damn right. <laughs> I'm not a crackpot. Yeah. Not. You know, it's hard you know, when you're on, you know, uh, regular TV, but I'm wondering if there's like a, like a possible, not that they'll ever do it, but a technical solution, like similar to secondary audio programming where you would have the swear track and yeah. then you could switch to, you know, if you're of age and, you know, a responsible person, or if you're just 12 and you want to hear some swears, because, you know, that'll happen. But, like, <laughs> let's fast forward 10 years. There's no more over-the-air TV. It's all data now. This will just be another solution that is, you know, an audio track solution in your Netflix-esque program that you get stuff through. You know, you just go to English, you know, uh, abridged or English full, and you'll get all Salty. the stuff you want. Yeah, <laughs> full yeah. salt. And really, the problem is just when you don't want to get off your ass and put the real movie on because it's on TV and it's so convenient. <laughs> See, exactly. also us buying Jaws on iTunes last week because we didn't feel like getting up and finding the DVD. It <laughs> was four feet away in a yeah, cabinet. But the DVD is only like oh, yeah. whatever. No, I've done this. 700 lines or whatever it <laughs> I was. Know. And now like you got like 180 and of 4K. Course. And hey, I supported that decision. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I spent like several months digitizing all of my discs so that I could just like click them from the remote and not have to put discs yeah. in. And it's amazing. But I'm with you, Sarah. Ooh. You know, Completely. all right. Yeah, screw totally. kids, cool. too. You know, <laughs> we'll have to, have to listen to this sometime. Listen, in, in Hawaii, The Walking Dead comes on at three in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Like kids, kids are kids are going to be fine. It's time to go around the goddamn fucking dial. Tara, first stop. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the fucking spirit shit bag. Um, a quick note about uh, I I finally got to watch Lifetime's Tiny House of Terror. Uh, it was a it was a large letdown. Um, anyway, it's still worth watching because it's so absurd. But uh, the idea of this guy. The the protagonist is married to this guy who designed a smart home app and like it traps her. It's 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 amazing in a lot of ways, but also really slow. This could this should have been like a fifteen minute. Wait, is it Tiny House of Terror or Automated House of Terror? Both. Mm. It's she starts out in an automated house where there's already problems because he goes missing. Spoiler alert: he's not dead. Um, and uh, he, and then she it, like it doesn't respond to her commands. It only it keeps like Kyle. Where's Kyle? <laughs> Kyle and so you know he's gone but then she finds out that he built her a tiny house and then she goes to live in it because it was his dream he wanted to surprise her and then all kinds of crazy shit starts happening at the tiny house and then it eats her uh, okay. it eats her. Is that was that your question yeah <laughs> well Wait, can no. I offer a terrible alternate title for it please internet of the thing <laughs> Um, I guess it is worth watching because I did watch all two hours of it but I also want to side recommend um, Tiny Paradise which is if you're uh, missing out on Tiny House people to hate because you've already watched all the Tiny House shows on FYI and HGTV this is for people building tiny houses in like tropical locations and they're even more obnoxious Uh, so yeah that's on HGTV Sundays or Mondays I forget getting back to Tiny House of Terror please yes so (laughs) I'm here to answer all your tiny house of terror questions the house itself isn't like possessed it's not like the no, simpsons no, no, tree no. house of terror no, 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 first no, no, one no. with the house no 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 there's someone mm, messing that's with disappointing her. yeah I that's know. the should that's what it should it's have not been. a supernatural story ah, it's boo. it's just a regular uh crime crime stalker story see i bet this project started life out as a um you know sci-fi-esque sharknado level stupid movie mm-hmm. and then lifetime got it's a lifetime yeah, yeah. Lifetime. lifetime got a hold of it and it just became this because you know whoever started that with that title, mm-hmm. it was a house that ate people. Well, I mean, there is there. Sorry, I lied. There's a slight supernatural angle, which is it's built on a location called Gravity Hill. Yeah, where gravity does not apply. There's like a weird magnetic field thing. Ha- I mean, gravity applies, but there's a magnetic thing that happens. So, like the the only. Like a knife flies across the room at one point and like it sticks itself to a magnetic notice board that she's put up that her sister bought her. That's Science. but that's it. Like the tiny aspects of the house are don't really even come into play right. in terms of the terror. It's right. just like she's scared in a Murphy bed, you know. Like what that's, if, that's it. What if they did this for the next one? Scared in a Murphy bed. Normal house of tiny terror. <laughs> We're just. <laughs> <laughs> little little things that are slightly scary but not really worthy to move out happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. A six pound cat Mabel comes to visit. That's <laughs> that'll qualify. She is a tiny Well, like terror. no, like you like the, the doorbell, <laughs> like it, it, like the bell goes off. So instead of going ding dong, go <laughs> and like oh that was spooky. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> onwards. Anyway, I mean, I this wasn't what I set out to discuss, oh but goodness. obviously there was way more to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> to get into. Tidy House of Terror, find it on the Lifetime app. Um, Younger is also back on TV Land. It airs uh, Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, what is has always been slightly annoying about the show is that it's you know one of these series that is based on someone keeping a big secret, naming namely that uh, Liza. The Sutton Foster character uh, is passing herself off as 26 when she's actually in her 40s. Um, And so now, like, each season, one more important person finds out 
the truth. Um, so we're now in season four, which means that the Hillary Duff character, who's her, her like best friend and and quasi boss at work, uh, it found out in the season three finale. And so what has shaken this up though is that unlike the other people who found out who got over it really quickly, Kelsey, the Hillary Duff character, is pissed, and it gives a whole new dynamic to the show that these two are like really in a fight. Um, it it changes their relationship in really interesting ways to have Liza sort of. Uh, you know, supplicate, supplicant to Kelsey trying to get her to forgive her for lying and Kelsey really not having it at all. Um, there's also seems like they're heading toward a romance between uh, Kelsey and Josh, who is Liza's very recent ex. But so far, they're still platonic. And I kind of hope they keep it that way because I think that's more interesting. But Younger is, um, it's very sex in the city in the good ways. Um, and so if you haven't been watching it, you can watch them all on the TV Land app. And it's only two episodes in as we record this. The third episode will air uh, tonight when this episode drops. Um, and it's it's still good. And if nothing else, it's fun for um, fashion porn, much like Sex in the City was back in the day. So that is my plug for Younger. And my plug for myself is the Bride and Doom podcast is... Uh, Almost winding up for the season. This is, uh, of course, the podcast that I do on Married at First Sight with uh, Brian Rubenstein. Uh, (laughs) Which cat is it that's a quasi-fan of it, Sarah? Mabel or Pearl? Uh, Mabel. Okay. Uh, Pearl might be. She hasn't hasn't said. (laughs) uh, No, it's... It's your voice, actually, okay. because Mabel is also a big show and yell fan, right. apparently. But yes, <laughs> Auntie Tara's voice is soothing properties. The next time you have to drive to the vet, put on a PTV <laughs> podcast. Do that anyway. Yeah, Married at First Sight has really been ridiculous this season. There's two couples that are kind of okay and a third couple that is really having a hard time. And they are fascinating, particularly since it's also playing out on social media, which we get into on the podcast as well. Um, So check that out at previously.tv slash podcasts. Nick. (laughs) Uh, So I'm super behind on almost all TV, but uh, finally just... Uh, caught up on the full season of glow and I enjoyed it. uh, But I was, well, first of all, I didn't realize that it was going to be half hour episodes versus hour episodes. So I feel like, um, you know, we've, we've discussed before when talking about Netflix shows, like, you know, do they really rigidly need to stick to this, like 10 episodes or 13 episodes or whatever, when sometimes there's some filler with this one, I felt like uh, those 10 half hour episodes and like, the amount of story that they got through and the amount of character development they got through and where it arrived at the end. I was like, that really could have been a two hour movie. Um, so it's, it's interesting the the way these kinds of things play out with the decision to just say like, okay, everything is going to be, you know, 10 binge watchable episodes or whatever. Um, I think it, it doesn't always necessarily lend itself to that. And I mean, I, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was, delightful but um that was kind of one of my nitpicks about it the other one being that like for a show that is you know ostensibly very feminist and pro women and about women's challenges and stuff like mark Marin has the juiciest part in it and oh i don't agree um, with that i i thought it was i thought it was very even-handed and i loved the uh the storyline between ruth and um what's her face the other one i did Liberty too Bell. yeah but it it i don't know it i mean i may be completely wrong uh and if you if you like stop watched it, then there's there's a very good chance that I am wrong. But it 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 felt like, you know, there was like a woman storyline, a woman storyline, a woman storyline, and then Mark Mark Marin's storyline having like you know 
proportionally more than any individual one of those. Um, but uh, and then as Alexis was saying when we were watching it, did they let Mark Marin write his own part for this? <laughs> Because it's it just sounded so much like just putting instead of like the character like actually just putting like Mark Maron onto the show and being like okay you're you just <laughs> be yourself yeah but Mark Maron has to be um, the foil for all the the women yeah, it's of true. the team it's right true. like without Mark Maron you don't you know all the issues that they want to talk about are show creators you know, they don't bubble up in the same way, right? I mean, he's sort of a shortcut to all the things they want to talk about. Like, yeah. he's a bad a bad dude, right? You know, he's not a nice guy. And I think... Well, like, but they really do go a long way toward, like, trying to, like, make you sympathetic for him. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about that. I never really I, yeah, felt I don't, sy- I sympathetic I don't, I don't to him. I mean, there's the, the, the twist with the, the one young wrestler that's on the, on the squad towards the end of the first season. I yeah. do. I mean, I... I mean, I think that might have been an attempt. I don't really think it was, you know, uh, successful if that was an intent to make him a sympathetic character through that because he handles it poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, the lead up to it is squicky and the <laughs> reveal is squicky. And like the way he handles it is kind of in character insofar that he's a giant heel. Um, I felt like he handled that situation like a. 85% jackass, 50% human. <laughs> and I thought yeah, that was yeah. sort of in, in character. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel sympathy yeah. for him. I, I, I felt like he could get uh, a couple more kicks in the clackers and I'd be fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, <laughs> Glow is great. I watched it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Making the Sausage, my podcast about the TV industry. That is a podcast about directing um, with uh, a great um, kind of new director from the Fosters. And uh, we have a great conversation about that and about um, getting into it. Uh, and I have another one scheduled, uh, hopefully in the n- next couple of weeks, where I'm going to be talking to managers. And if you have listened to more than one episode of the show, you know which Simpsons clip I'm going to pull for the intro to that. <laughs> I love doing the show and we'll keep them coming. Sarah, about a Prime Suspect 1973. Uh, it's currently ish probably who knows with pbs but it's part of the masterpiece suite it's the uh prequel to prime suspect of course uh helen mirren the um prickly detective i believe that series started in the 90s and it was more of like it had sort of a sherlocky um like drop schedule there would be like three sort of hour and a half movies together that would be one series and then a few years would go by uh anyway this is fine, this prequel, uh, but this is another one where, like, y- you don't really have time for it. It's okay. Uh, it's not good enough. You should just watch the original. Um, Emerald City's Stephanie Martini is in the Jane Tennyson role. She's a pretty good match for a young Jane Mirren. She's good, but it's a little slow. It's a little self-congratulatory. And what made the original compelling to me, is that uh, Tennyson was clashing with sexist superiors. She was subject to people judging her for behavior that in a male chief detective or supervisor would be cause for exactly zero comment. Um, She was this often frustrating and self-destructive force that presaged a lot of similar characters on American TV, male and female. But it's fucking Helen Mirren. And 
I think that whole series is probably on the PBS app or the BBC app or Netflix. Like, it's out there. Find it. Watch it. Mirren is amazing. And you're not having to put up with these terrible wigs, which, <laughs> I mean, can casting agents not just hire people who can actually grow their hair long or have long hair already? Why aren't wigs better? It's 2017. I'm still not a crackpot for this or the other thing. <laughs> anyway, Prime Suspect 1973, if you're like home for the weekend and your parents are like, ooh, prime, the Prime Suspect prequel is on, you're not going to want to kill yourself, but don't, like, don't seek it out. My plug this week is twofold. First of all, I'm pretty excited about this week's The Blotter Presents. It is live now. As you're listening to this, Crime Writers on Toby Ball is our guest again. And we had a hilarious time talking about H.H. Uh, H. Holmes properties and why they are so consistently bad, pretty much. <laughs> Spoiler, if you were looking forward to American Ripper. Uh, my other plug is for our Catfish podcast, Two Old Hookers. I was so ably substituted for by Ms. Stephanie Green of Wine and Roses. Thank you, Stephanie, for taking over. I laughed many times while listening to the podcast and catching up, but we are back. <laughs> Superman, man, am I glad to see you. What are you doing on this deserted road? Some guys from school drove out here and we're going to start fooling around with drugs. When I told them all drugs do is mess up your head and get you in a lot of trouble, they kicked me out of the van and drove off. You're right not to get involved in the drug scene. Nobody with any sense wants any part of it. How do I get home? That's no problem at all. It is time for the canon, and this week we have a presentation by Hannah. Hi, Extra Hot Great. My name's Hannah, and I'm submitting Season 1, Episode 1 of Catastrophe for the canon. Catastrophe is a sitcom with a pretty simple premise. Two strangers have a brief relationship that they both think will be a one-time thing until she gets pregnant and they have to make it work. Series writers and creators Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan play Rob and Sharon, an American ad executive and an Irish school teacher who meet while Rob is on a business trip to London. The first scene of the episode shows them meeting in a bar, which quickly leads to a one-night stand that turns into a six-night stand when they realize that they actually kind of like each other. When it's time for Rob to go home, they say some nice things that, in another story, would make a perfect ending to their week-long relationship. So, listen, <laughs> I wanted to say that I know this wasn't anything serious, and it was just a bit of fun. This wasn't serious? No, when, when I say it wasn't serious, I'm... Goofing you, bro! <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go on. No, carry on. You were saying this is just a bit of fun. I want you to know that I'm going to look back on my time with you and remember you as an extraordinarily good-smelling woman with a magical ass. And you're smart, so you could even get away with being less attractive, and you'd still be fairly attractive. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um... I'll remember you as a sturdy lovemaker with a massive chin who was really kind to waiters and taxi drivers, which suggests you might actually be a good person. Then they have sex one more time. But it is, of course, not an ending because we have only just now hit the opening title card. A little while later, Rob is on a date with a co-worker back in Boston, and he gets an unexpected call from Sharon, whose number he still has saved in his phone as Sharon London Sex. She has some news for him. Hey, so great to hear from you. I'm sorry that I haven't called, but I have some good news. I'm going to be in London in April. But I'm pregnant. Did you just say pregnant? 
Yeah, I said, I said pregnant. Do you want me to say it again? Pregnant. I don't understand. I mean, how Well, I, I think it's because, because it, you know, we had sex about 25 times in a week and you wore a condom maybe twice. Twice of those times. Why did you let me do that? So after that, Rob <laughs> arrives back in London to try and support this woman who he likes but never thought he would see again. Sharon meets him at the airport holding a sign that says Rob and still in disbelief about the absurdity of this whole thing. I wasn't sure you'd recognize me. And it only says Rob because uh, I don't know your surname. It's Norris. It's, it's Norris. Mine's Morris. <laughs> Morris and Norris. Well, at least that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I think Corgan's delivery of that line is perfect and a major episode highlight. So Rob and Sharon have a conversation in a park where they agree that this situation is less than ideal, but something that they can work with. Sharon realizes that she might not have that many other chances to have kids, and Rob reasons that the two of them are good enough people that the kid might not end up being a complete disaster. Later, he goes to wait at Sharon's school so they can go to a doctor's appointment together, and some of her students really want to know what this guy's deal is. Hello. Do you know if Miss Morris is finished with her classes? Is she under arrest? No, I'm just waiting. Are you American? Yes, I am. Do you know Barack Obama? No, I don't. Do you know his daughters? I know Sasha, but I don't know Malia. How do you know them if you don't know Barack Obama? I don't know them. Are you a basketball player? No. That's not really a super plot relevant clip. I just think that that little kid is hilarious. <laughs> but um, apparently gossip travels fast among elementary school students because they all seem to know that Sharon is pregnant and they probably knew before Rob did. At the doctor's appointment, Sharon and Rob get some fun news when they find out that the baby is a boy and some much less fun news when they find out that some of Sharon's tests have found abnormal cells. Her doctor, while trying to assure Sharon that there's really nothing to worry about and that she definitely doesn't have cancer, still manages to say the word cancer about a dozen times, which understandably makes her even more freaked out about this already terrifying situation. While Rob and Sharon are sitting in a cafe afterwards, trying and failing to calmly process all of this new information, they run into Sharon's insufferable friend, Fran, who corners the two of them until they agree to have dinner with her and her husband, Chris, over the weekend. Fran is a pretentious nightmare who incessantly humble brags about her son's acting career, passive-aggressively forces Sharon to take her shoes off in the house, even though Sharon's feet are swollen and she doesn't want to, and then guilt trips her for even thinking about using pain meds during childbirth. Rob awkwardly compliments the food several times because he has no idea what else to do, but still manages to stick his foot in his mouth because he knows nothing about these people. First by suggesting that only children are weirdos, and then by making fun of Fran's career as a homeopath, which, to be fair, is totally understandable when she says stuff like this. Look, I think a lot of people don't actually realize that there are alternatives out there that really do work. My guru, Alan, he cured himself of prostate cancer last year with walnuts. Sharon thinks this entire scene is hilarious and is thrilled that Rob has managed to knock Fran, Fran down a peg. But their conversation reverts to all of the uncertainties about the baby and their relationship once they get back to Sharon's apartment after dinner. Sharon has taken a pretty fatalistic view of things, especially after all the talk about the not cancer, but Rob really does want to give all of this a chance and to be a part of his son's life. He suggests that they get married, mostly because he needs to be able to stay in the country, but also because he really thinks this could work. Sharon is somewhat skeptical. Oh, aren't you supposed to fall in love first? Well, my mom sent me an article about a study on arranged marriages versus love marriages, and they found that fewer arranged marriages end in divorce than real ones. 
Is that because they end in suicide? <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't read the whole article. Also, you'll need to marry me so I can stay in the country. Oh, God. You don't have to be part of its life, you know. I'm not expecting any. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Except money. Maybe a bit of money. So I just write a check every month and leave it at that? Fuck that. I didn't know my father, and it sucked. This kid gets a dad. Oh, God, you don't have to be so American about it. (laughs) Fine. The main thing that people mention when they talk about catastrophe is the remarkable chemistry between Delaney and Horgan. The basic plot of this show is nothing you haven't really seen a version of before, but what makes it such a pleasure to watch is that these two people genuinely like each other, which shouldn't feel revolutionary for a sitcom couple, but sometimes does. You can't really get it from the clips, but Sharon and Rob are always laughing at each other's jokes and sort of smiling at each other, even when something really frustrating is happening, which is always. Um, You actually want to spend time with them and hear the conversations. Every episode of Catastrophe is worth watching, but what makes this first one canon-worthy in my eyes is the incredible efficiency with which it introduces characters and defines relationships without ever feeling rushed or too full of exposition. First episodes, especially of comedies, can be really difficult to get right, and this one nails it. The characters feel like real people, and they mostly behave like adults, with none of the tedious but-what-are-we relationship arguing that can plague other rom-coms. Season 1, Episode 1 of Catastrophe has no time for that nonsense, and for that, I think it belongs in the canon. Thanks for listening. I think we should let Sarah go first, because I remember when I pitched season Episode 1 of Season 2, she she did not care for Sharon. I'm curious to know if she likes her better seeing her from the very beginning. Sarah. She does not. Oh, no! no. <laughs> She's Whoa. a no thanks I think, Nick, weren't you our guest on that? Yeah, I asked the same question. I was like, I wonder if you would feel differently about it if you saw the whole genesis oh, of the relationship. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking that and I was like trying to be open. The thing is, like, I'm I'm like her, which is probably why I don't like her. But I don't like her. Um, I, I get it. 
I don't think it's a bad show. Uh, I just don't, I don't care for her and I don't need to watch like a better dressed version, like Irish version of myself being a bitch to this guy. So, um, but I will say that first of all, excellent presentation, Hannah. Second of all, this is a great premise. Uh, it's a great pilot. It's not piloty. It's good at what it sets out to do. Uh, there are like Mr. Fran, who I also loved in the other episode that we watched is just this like extremely bleak and hilarious figure to me. The, there's some like music over a montage that reminded me of that Carter Burwell track from raising Arizona. I don't know if that was intentional regardless. Mm. Hilarious. Um, I like, I get why people like the show. It's just not for me, but uh, Hannah's arguments for putting it in the canon, I can't deny. It's an extremely well-built, confident pilot with a smart premise that it serves well. Like, it doesn't – it's not one of those things where you're like, good premise, but I'm not sure how long this can hold right. up. Like, yeah. it's, it's good. And speaking to that, Sarah, if you didn't like you know, the other episode, this show is so incredibly consistent mm-hmm. and of, like, even quality that – I think this is one of those rare shows where I can say, if you don't like one episode, you're not going to like the rest. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't think, yeah. I I agree with that. Which is sort of. I get it. I understand that it's a good show. It's just not for me. But that brings up like an interesting conundrum for me for the canon, because we've already put one in the canon. Maybe one's enough, you know, like there's no standouts and there's no standouts, (laughs) you know, uh, on this show. I don't know if it like I want to put another one in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I put another one in, am I just putting them all in because they're all like a minus a plus kind of show? I don't know. Tara, um, I I think it's fair to put this one in, even if this is the last one we put in, because although I mean I think the the story does deepen and change, especially in season three, which is the the most yeah. I didn't mean to say it it, it it doesn't evolve. Right. It's just that it's. It's a consi- I mean, it's easier for a show that only has six episodes a season yeah. to have a very high level of quality. Yes, but you also get the sense that the creators know their characters yeah. really well. And obviously, they're writing the show that they've created for themselves. So I think that goes a long way into why the show is you know, so consistently good. And, and they write it. Like, yeah. they don't have a staff. It's yeah. the two of them do all of the episodes. I, I mean, I think this, it deserves, for me, this one deserves to go into the canon because it's such a, it's just such a strong pilot yeah. and it sets things off in such a, a, a great, encouraging, like, you you as a viewer, this is the opposite of what we saw with Snowfall, in fact, this week, where it's like, you, you know from the beginning, this is a show whose creators are extremely confident, they know what they're doing, and you as a viewer can, without qualification, get on board and trust that you're going to go somewhere fun and interesting yeah. and satisfying. And so. also, you know, I take your point, it is a very strong pilot because of that, but also because it is very efficient without feeling rushed. Yeah. Like a lot happens in the pilot. Yes, like that story is moved way down the line, but it doesn't feel like they were sprinting. Right. But yeah. it's because those characters are so well drawn mm-hmm. from the second we first see them. Yeah. We know them and we know the creators know them. I mean, they are them in a sense, but it's it's uh it's t- completely the the story is strong, but it's driven by the characters. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I think, Nick. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it is just a remarkable example of efficient storytelling, but like efficient in a way that like you don't notice the efficiency until you like as I did hit pause when they're in the doctor's office talking about cancer and it's only 10 minutes in. You're like, "Wow. <laughs> like how did they get all the way there?" Um and yeah, yeah, they just they are just showing you exactly what you need. And I think it's so like well directed and edited. So you are literally seeing like the moments that add up to like believing that they have a connection and you know, investing in their relationship and everything. And yeah, I mean it's just like I mean, it helps that the the chemistry is clearly there right from the start. So they don't need to have like scenes that sell you on the chemistry. It's like, no, every time they're together, you see it. So uh yeah, I mean and, and as far as canon goes, like I I know we usually talk about in terms of like specifically being an example of that particular show but i feel like when we're talking about pilots it's useful to also compare it to like how well other pilots and especially other comedy pilots set up their premise and their chemistry and all of that and i think this is such a shining example of that that you know you it it is you know it does do a lot to set up the premise but it is also delivering a fantastic comedic story and um it's uh yeah, it was it was a pleasure to revisit it this morning, standing in front of the computer with a plate of scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, yeah, I buy that argument too. So let's put this to a vote. Sarah D. Bunting, uh, I am going to vote yes. Okay, uh, for the pilot aspect. Um, yeah, and because it does what it sets out to do, like because I find a character off-putting, like I don't think I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Something can be not for me and still be really good at what it does. Right. Okay. Uh, like soccer. <laughs> Tara. <laughs> yay, I vote yay. Nick. Absolutely yay. Yeah, and I agree. On the pilot aspect, if you guys submit another episode, I'll be tempted to say no, just on principle. But for this one, yes. <laughs> Catastrophe. Season one, series one, episode one. You are hereby inducted hmm. into the extra. Hot great canon. That's the music from the show. It's really annoying. <laughs> if you wanted like a more annoying version of the Seinfeld cues, look up catastrophe. Winner and loser of the week. <laughs> winner, Sarah. Our winner is uh, Gotham star Donald Logue. Uh, his daughter, Jade, uh, was found at a friend's house in North Carolina, having been missing for a while. Yeah, a week or so, I think. The longer uh, Donald Logue and his uh, ex-wife, um, Jade's mother, had gone on to social media and were begging people for information and also begging Jade to please come home. So I got the sense from that part of the story that Jade split, but Jade is trans. So I was really getting a feeling the longer this went on that it was not going to be a happy ending. Um, according to the TMZ version of this story. She was found in North Carolina. Okay. Super friendly to trans people. What are you doing? What are you doing, girl? Um, At a friend's house and was discovered thanks to, quote, a joint NYPD FBI investigation. I really am going to require the gossip on how those resources were allocated, but everyone's alive. Yay. Best of luck to the family, et cetera. Uh, I'll also just add, because Donald Logue is in the SVU family, that might save the story from being ripped from the headlines for next year. <laughs> SVU, please let that be the case. Stay away. Yeah. You fucking ghouls. 
Sorry. I mean, I love you, SVU, but honestly. Um, loser of the week, Hawaii Five O. This happened um, before, right after we went on our uh, week hiatus, but the, the, uh, the two Asian actors in the main cast who have been on the show since, since it began, Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park, are both leaving the show because – their contracts were up for negotiation. They asked for a raise and they got a small or uh, they got some kind of a raise above what they had been making to that point, but it was not commensurate with their co-stars. And so they've left the show and it's continued to be a story because of how badly everyone involved handled it other than two, the two stars were who were completely within yeah, the rights. Yeah, wasn't the production like, well, their demands were completely unreasonable. Yeah. It's like, well, but if everyone else's demands were met... Actually, that sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, to me. Scott, Scott Kahn and Alex O'Loughlin, who have something in common that the other two actors who are leaving the show do not, um, they got raises. So this this is especially bullshit because Hawaii is the only state in this country with an, a, a majority Asian population, and it's not close. The the Asian population of Oahu is like over fifty percent. So like for for the two actors who actually represent um, that cohort of the residents of this part of the world where they're shooting to to depart and under these gross circumstances is really a black eye for CBS which you know is not I think particularly known for its diversity in general and this is this is like really shameful and embarrassing and and the more people talk about it the more the more it should be talked about because this is an endemic problem in all of television and uh gross bad badly done CBS. Do you know what also is badly done? <laughs> oh no. Game time. <laughs> <sighs> Got it one. <laughs> Please rate us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> This is the seventh game time of the season. Season scores after last episode's Dave Point blockbuster are Tara 3, Sarah 3, Value Guest 2. Today, we are playing Haiku TV. Uh From Suli, who earns himself an extra credit. No. There we go. (laughs) Redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. All right. In Haiku TV, I will read you a TV show synopsis in the form of a haiku. You tell me the show for one point. There are three gross worth equalizer challenges in this game. Okay. And the opportunity for a special bonus package. (gasps) Hmm. Just before we start, remind me, are there steel meals in play? I think there's something. No. Still nothing on the table? No. Okay. All right. And the the Dave points have been reset. Everyone is tied with zero Zero Dave points. points. All right. So with that, let's throw it to Picky to see our order. We will start with Sarah. All right. Sarah, Nick, Tara is our order today. Are we ready to play Haiku TV? Yes, sir. Here we go. Sarah, serial killers. FBI investigates. People are yummy. <laughs> Serial killers, uh, criminal minds. I'm going to read that one once more for you. Just, just. Serial killers. FBI investigates. People are yummy. Hannibal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Creepy and kooky. Spooky TV family. Grab a witch's shawl. This is for Nick. the Adams family. Lady in bottle, awkward master servant bond. <laughs> Blink to make it so. I dream of genie. Back to Sarah. Nineties CBS 
children say funniest stuff, host probs a rapist. <laughs> uh, host probs a rapist. <laughs> P-R-O-B-Z. <laughs> oh, a Z. Oh, a Z. Z. Oh, a Z. Excuse me. Um, oh, shit. Um, kids say the darndest things. Nice. Oh, phew. Uh, Telenovela. Homely central character. Fashion magazine. Ugly Betty. ABC sitcom. Six best friends in a Chicago. Cheerful finishings. Oh, happy endings. Hmm. 40s crime fighter. Fights with bad guys and sexism. With red hat and gun. What's the what's the middle line again? Fights with bad guys and sexism. Uh oh god. Uh oh. Peggy shit. Peggy shit. That's Peggy. not the right show. <laughs> Peggy Yeah, you're right, but you're not Agent yeah, Carter. Agent Carter. Peggy Carter yes. is the character. Yeah. Redhead comic lead. Iconic fifty sitcom McGillicuddy. <laughs> uh oh shit. Um Oh, uh, uh, the Andy Griffith show? Redhead comic lead. Iconic 50 sitcom McGillicuddy, I Love Lucy. Oh, I was, yeah. Saved from certain death, man fights crime with talking car. The license plate <laughs> turns. Knight Rider? It's not really? the other talking car show? They alive, damn it! Former mole woman and friends. NYC hijinks. Yep. <laughs> What's the first part? I'm sorry. They alive, the damn it! Okay. Hijinks. I don't know. They alive, damn it! It's a miracle. Unbreakable Kimmy oh, right. Schmidt. Nick. Theme song on a beach. Pacific procedural. Go book them, Dano. Hawaii Five-O. Shame on you. <laughs> Bring us into our first score break. Alien life form. Crash landed here in SoCal. Loves to eat pussies. Oh, <laughs> silly. Alf. Correct. <laughs> ah. <laughs> very, very close game. I have four. Nick has three. Sarah has two. All right. So that means Sarah is in the Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone. Uh-oh. You know how Come this... On, Sarah. <clears throat> answer one half of the six questions on this mid-80s Trivial Pursuit TV card correctly, and you will get two points. Are you ready? Yep. I am. <laughs> Why is there so many questions about this show? <laughs> Which way does Ralph Cramden's apartment door open? In or out? Now, he got about 50-50. In. He said in. 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 Oh, okay. Guess what? It's out. What newscaster donned jeans to guide viewers through the CBS special 24 Hours on Crack Street? Ooh, Ooh. timely. CBS... Dan Rather? Wow. <laughs> he deigned to put on jeans? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure they were ironed. Oops. He deigned to put them on. <laughs> Who got Cheetah pregnant on Capitol? 
<laughs> Jaguar? Uh, that would be old Chip Landry. What soap opera's title appears on screen beside the flowers on the first page of a book? <sighs> flowers on the first page of a book? Yeah. Uh, search for tomorrow. All my children? All my children, yep. Yeah. All right, got, you need these two. <clears throat> okay. What cartoon canine's many disguises include the purple pumpernickel? <laughs> cartoon canine. Scooby-Doo? Yeah, Huckleberry Hound. All right, just for shits and giggles. Oh. Which of the three stooges got about a 33.3% chance on this one? <laughs> Actually, that's not true. You got about a quarter. 25%. 25. Yeah. Uh, started out as Harry Horowitz. Harry Horowitz was which three stooge member? Larry. Mo. Damn it. Mo. All right. We're back <clears throat> to the game. This is question 13. Uh, whose turn is it? Sarah. Sarah. Mine. Meh. Procedural. Witness protection program in New Mexico. Mm. Oh. oh, God. I can picture the, I can picture the lead actress. Meh. Procedural is yeah. the first line. <laughs> Yep. U.S. Marshals. I don't remember. Mm. I don't remember what it's called either. In, in, plain, in plain sight. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, Mary McCormick. Sure. Maintain pace with them. It started with a sex tape reality show. <laughs> Keeping up with the Kardashians. Nice. Shit. We're beneath glass. Aliens, cocoons, and eggs. Now, we're all dumber. <laughs> Under the <laughs> At no point in right, the we can do this. incoherent response were you we really even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now Domer. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. 80s cartoon show. By the power of Grayskull, I have the power. E-Man. Yeah. Can you give me the full title? I'm going to give you the point. He-Man and... Friends. And friends, yes. The masters (laughs) of the universe. (laughs) He-Man and the masters of the universe and friends. It's in brackets after that. All right, number 17. Spread eagle. Spread eagle. Mid-aughts spy drama, some renaissance artifacts, TV's best spy dad. (laughs) Oh, beloved alias. Don't make him angry. Scientists and green monster. Smash, 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 smash. (laughs) Smash? Just kidding, not my real answer. Is <laughs> yeah. it the Incredible Hulk? Correct. <clears throat> Slice of Life sitcom. Propane and accessories. Texas family. And accessories. King of the Hill? Yeah. Showtime dramedy. One body, four plus people. Teen... Housewife, Redneck. The United States of Tara. Correct. It's Tara. <laughs> Jeez. It is. It is. You're right. Team competition. Sorry, Tara. <laughs> extremely critical host. Food prep in Hades. Uh, Hell's Kitchen. Big mummy issues. Poorly run spy agency. Phrasing, manhands, yup. <laughs> 
<laughs> Cute. Archer. Clumsy policeman. Animated bionics. Helpful dog and niece. Oh, I was already thinking of this one when you we were talking about the animated dog in disguise before. Inspector Gadget. Correct. Bring us into our second score break. Hot wife, meh husband. A lot of uh, editorializing here by <laughs> Suli. Hot wife, meh husband. Royalty in NYC, late 90s sitcom. King of Queens. Correct. All right. Uh, I have eight. Nick has seven. Sarah has five. All right, Sarah. Another chat. Chot. <laughs> sure. Another chot. Chot. Here we go. Chot it okay. up, chot style. Who crooned the line? It Every time it rains, it rains bourbon from heaven. Who crooned? I that? did, obviously. Uh, every time it rains, it rains bourbon from heaven? Yeah. Uncle Jesse. I don't know. Dean Martin. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Who's sure. the oldest Bradford kid on eight is enough? First name. That's what we're looking for. David. <gasps> wow. Wow. One Dave point. Yeah. <laughs> what cartoon show takes place in I'm a Gwee Gwee Africa? Oh, I probably butchered that. I am G W E E G W E E. What cartoon show? Yeah. What cartoon show takes place? Uh, Magilla Gorilla? Yeah, good guess. George of the Jungle. Oh, George sure. of the Jungle. Oh. What 60s sitcom has been described as a bachelor father's nose, father knows best? Uh, Odd Couple? My Three Sons. Yeah. Oh. What sitcom title character once noted, I'd rather go look at a skunk than look at a girl? Title sitcom character. Dennis the Menace? Beaver Cleaver. Beaver uh. Cleaver. Which Leave it to Beaver character gets his driver's license first? Eddie or Wally? 50-50 chance by my calculations. Uh. Eddie or Wally? Eddie. Correct. Nice. Okay, back to the game. <sighs> Jesus. Not a news broadcast. Aliens. Stack. UFOs. <laughs> Who knows what happened? <laughs> Oh, who's this one for? For Sarah. Okay. Who knows what happens? Not a news broadcast. Aliens stack UFOs. Who knows what happened? Stack. stack. Oh, who indeed? Perhaps we can solve a mystery. Unsolved mysteries. Three sons and a wife. Pam Anderson got her start. Show within a show. <sighs> uh, oh, uh, home improvement. Four-member posse. A crime they did not commit. Maybe you can hire. <laughs> the A-team? <laughs> Veiled ingredients. U.S.-Japanese knockoff. Alton Brown is host. Iron Chef America? Primetime soap opera. It was spun off from Dallas. Life in cul-de-sac. <laughs> uh, Knott's Landing. Came from the UK. Ezek goes cloak and dagger. Works as peon. Undercover boss. Correct. First from Israel. Brainwa soldier is back home. Can he be trusted? 
Homeland. <laughs> Big ensemble cast. Scary anthology show. New setting each year. American Horror Story. Five people run bar. Consistently bright in town. Hey, kitten mittens. <laughs> it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Sketch comedy show. They are prepared for Terry's. One a Peabody. <laughs> prepared for Terry's? Yeah. yeah. Terry's. <sighs> Getting froggy. Yeah. Okay, Drax. That. Skulls. I don't know. Everybody else? Key and peel. Key and peel. peel. Yeah. Mock of Bachelor. Drugs, sex, some death, and racism. Manipulative. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, no. The title's getting out of my Mock brain. Uh, of Bachelor. Sex, drugs, um, some death, and racism. Manipulative. Oh, no. I know it starts with un. <laughs> Unreal. 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 Oh, All right. We're going to our third. Oh, wow. There's a lot more than I thought. Uh, third score break. Stuff. I must have more. Interventions and cleaning. A and E and help. <laughs> uh, hoarders. Correct. Okay, I have 12, Nick has 10, Sarah has 8. All right, Sarah. Oh, no. This time it's going to happen. I believe in you, Sarah. We all believe in you, Sarah. What's the first name of the character Justine Bateman plays on Family Ties? Mallory. Yeah. Yeah. What show did Lloyd Bridges say provided him with a surefire way to escape Los Angeles smog? (laughs) Good luck. Vegas. Sea Hunt. <laughs> you know, Sea Hunt. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> Who's, <Nope>. thre- <laughs> Who's threatened with a meat cleaver in the cartoon Shishka Bugs? Wow. Shishka Bugs. Oh, I a see. Cockroach? Wait, hang on. Let me just clarify this, having seen the answer. Who's threatened with a meat cleaver in the cartoon titled Shishka Bugs? It's, a, it's an episode of a cartoon. Ah. Shishka Bugs. Shishka, Shishka Bugs. Bugs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, who? Uh, I don't know. Barney Rubble. I have no idea. I tried. Shishka Bugs Bunny. Bugs oh. Bunny. What does the man call Chico's replacement Rao on Chico and the Man? Little Chico? Oh, that's so close. I'm going to give it to you. Sorry. He calls him Chico. So technically you had the answer. Yeah. (laughs) What bewitched character was played by twins Heidi and Laura Gentry, Tamar and Julie Young, Aaron and Diane Murphy? What by... Which character was played by all those twins? First name Tabitha. <laughs> what SCTV Comics standard opening is? How are you? I don't know. Moranis nope. doesn't matter. She Bobby Bittman doesn't matter. You just got two points. Sarah. Congratulations. Oh. And now, ready for your next Tabitha. clue, Sarah? Thank you. Yes. Sarah. Han Solo's yeah. new boss, 
widowed tiny town sheriff whistling theme song. New boss, tiny town sheriff. Uh, widowed tiny show? town sheriff whistling theme song. She got it. The Andy Griffith show. Correct. Brains. They're so tasty. Changing persona each week. Lots of punny names. <laughs> For Nick. Oh, uh, sorry. Can, can you say it one more time? No. <laughs> Brains. <laughs> They're so tasty. Changing persona each week. Lots of punny names. A zombie? Nice. You have got my pen. Now I am crushing your head. Ten bucks is ten bucks. <laughs> Kids in the hall. Oh, picky. Slaves escape northward. There is no actual train. WGN drama. Oh, what's it called, though? Both words are just one. I am going to guess it is just one word. Underground. Sarah! Correct. All right. At this point, I am giving out a last call for the bonus points thing. Anybody have anything to say about this game so far? No? No. Okay. It was a tough one. I thought I'd throw it out there. Hannibal Adams, I, kids, ugly, Happy, oh, a- man. agent, I, night, unbreakable, <laughs> haiku, 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 haiku have been Silly. the first letters wow. of everything wow. to this point. Wow. That Amazing. ends now. I tip my imaginary hat. That ends Very now. Good. Here we go. Here's our last chunk. Giant slot machine. Win and you face the devil. Feral Harlequin. Uh, <laughs> giant slot machine. Win and you face the devil. Feral Harlequin. Mm. Anybody? Futurama? Press your luck. The Joker's wild. Oh. Joker's oh. wild. Oh, oh feral, feral Harlequin. Oh, All right. <laughs> now, I created this one. This is a special Dave entry. Okay. Check out his dad's gun. Birthday party, super awk. Scott is now dead Scott. <laughs> Beverly Hills, 90210. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's another one. Big green explosions. It's only tits and dragons. Warning, sibling sex. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones. All right. And our next clue for Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Stock market guru. Victorian revenge plot. Frequent podcast guest. (laughs) (laughs) Dracula. Dracula. Correct. Uh And lastly, go away, Dracula. Talk show (laughs) host and friends. Short-lived NBC sitcom. Try to stay awake. Ah. Oh, um, up all night. Up all night. All right. Um, Scores, nice. please. Okay, Nick ended with 12. Sarah, 13. I had 15. All right. Tara takes it. But for shits and giggles, uh, here's the tiebreaker. It is a limerick. Oh. No answers until I'm done. Five lines. Here we go. I'm a spinoff of the show Soap. I'm often guest with little hope. <laughs> I work for a Tate, then a head of state. Guess my name, and Dave won't say no. Benson. Sarah. 
Sarah gets a steel meal <laughs> for future hey! use. Congratulations, nice. Tara. Ooh, good one. Well done, Tara. 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 Well, guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We didn't quite get addicted to FX CIA crack origin story Snowfall, but we did agree that basic cable could stand to keep the fudge and swears in televised movies, <laughs> because after all, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> then we went around the dial with stops at Younger, other stuff. Tiny House of Terror. Tiny House of Terror. And uh, help me out, people. Glow. Glow. Thank Glow. you. And Prime uh, suspects. Superman abducting a young teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah's canon entry was not a catastrophe. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's Woo. game time, putting her within grasp of the season victory next week. Remember. We're listening. Ah. I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariana. Walnuts. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. We keep a shoe-free home. And Nick <laughs> Reinwell jones Go back to Wisconsin or wherever you're from. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Crate. And I noticed that you took some things from the bathroom, and that's fine. But could you leave the toothpaste? No, I didn't take any toothpaste. Oh, shit, I did, yeah. Sorry. Small and cute. Um, so you should probably open a window because this really stinks in here. Okay. This has been a production of the previously.tv podcast network.